You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud spot score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami. On the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app, which is available for Android and Apple users, and the Minnesota Twins, gentlemen, wasn't the. This is how you know that the Twins are off to a surprisingly great start when they only take two of four at home against the Detroit Tigers, and you're kind of like, "Ooh, did the wheels come off? Like, what? Did the what? What's happening?" But that's not a disastrous result. No, they're still sitting here. Uh, a dozen games above 500 and uh, playing some home games again. The Pat Royce, who just just walked past our studio and on Friday was telling me to pump my brakes after I declared I will not pump my brakes. I've indeed cut my brakes, so it wouldn't matter if I pump them. I love how he just thinks you're an idiot. Just like, an idiot. <laughs> which he's, he's not the first. He's not the first to say that, and he might be right. A lot of people might be right, but on this, on this, I'm I'm not wrong. I'm right, and Pat asked me today if I learned my lesson with that weekend when I saw him in the hallway. That's if I learned my lesson well, did this weekend. Did they get weekend. swept? Did I miss something? And I said, Pat, I don't learn lessons that easily. Like, it's going to take a whole <laughs> lot more than that to, to teach me a lesson. Come on. Yeah, the Twins the, the twins team plane is going to have to uh, catch fire before <laughs> Rami learned his lesson. I won a three of four, so there's always that. Does them not winning three, does the difference between two, two of four and three of four change your outlook on the season? Not really, no. No, but I just, okay. it's, it's, Detroit takes series is 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 from yeah, teams they, like, like Barrios that. Barrios wasn't pitching. Perez coming back from the yeah, but the tiger the Tigers are a whole lot of of nothingness basically. M- Miggy is just a complete shell of himself. It's sort of sad to those watch guys now. got tossed on purpose, right? Oh well, Miggy was a double header. No, Gar- Gardy didn't. Gardy got tossed because he just hates Hunter w- Wendelstad. Yeah, he hates his guts. In fact, I think uh, I think the stat I saw from Phil. Miller, the Star Tribune, was that he's now been tossed in his career. He's been tossed in, in his career something like 78 times. Seven times, I think, by Hunter. I feel like he, yeah, they do hate each other. But I also feel like he's walking into the arena that he helped build, right? It's Guardy. He loves he to gonna, play to the fans. He's going to play to it? And it's, I think he was definitely playing it, playing it up to the crowd a little bit. Are you not entertained? Right. I am Guardy. Well, and and let's be honest. Hunter's not exactly a great umpire, so it's pretty easy. Right. And that did look like the game one pitch he contested did look like it was probably strike three and didn't yeah. get called. Uh, Miggy got tossed. Robot umpire takeover. Brilliant, brilliant toss there. Doubleheader. I'm old. I'm sort of fat. I'm bored. My team sucks, right? That's what? a brilliant... That's a, things on TV. Yeah, that's a brilliant... Lean over the rail. Hey, Blue, where was that? I'll bleep you. Yeah. Bang, you're gone. It's genius. Miggy was... I guarantee you he had he had HBO in his room, room service on the way by about um, eight, 8 o'clock that night. <laughs> I totally... I totally saw through that. That was a genius... I'm get you know what this is a long day. I don't need this. Uh, Glenn Perkins will join us in about 15 minutes or so, 10 or 15 minutes to discuss his Fox Sports North debut over the weekend. So we'll do that. Uh, it's a cram session day here on a Monday in about an hour. But you were perusing around Judd Zolgad, the Twins clubhouse, and you spoke, I can say privately, one on one with Byron Buxton about something we've been talking about on the show, but you more so than anyone else in town. Yep. Uh, set set the landscape for for what you wrote about this weekend on scorenorth.com. So Friday night, uh, it's in the first, Odorizzi started for the Twins, and in the first he got hit pretty hard. He settled on it after that and was brilliant, but the most important catch on Friday night in that game was another um, deep drive to center field in which Buxton went back to the left center wall, put a cleat into the fence itself, right, the chain link fence, 
and went up and made a great catch. And I said to myself, that's it. I'm done here. This is quite clear because that was a ball a month ago. He crashes into that SOB. Mm-hmm. He goes down. He might make the catch. But but I told you guys, and I think this started about a week and a half, two weeks ago. I told you guys he is no longer initiating contact with fences. Something something has changed here. Somebody got to him, and so I talked about this. And and Levine joined us on uh, the Twins show last Monday, and I said, "Did you talk to him?" And you know, the Twins were like, "Yeah, not really." You know, it's so after that play on Friday, I asked Baldelli about it at the post game on Friday night. And he gave a long answer and was not extremely forthcoming, except he offered up one interesting thing. He said he's playing deeper. And I'm like, okay, that's a change. Because he, he's always, Buxton's always played shallow to try and not give up balls in front of him, but conversely then goes back and gets a full head of steam and with his speed, crashes into fences. So Saturday I got there before uh, the two games in the morning and I went up to Buxton. And I said, all right, What's changed here? This is different. You're not, you, you love to crash in defenses and now you're not. Did you say that to him? You love to crash. I gave him my, I gave him my uh, analogy. I said, I've all, (laughs) I've always said, Byron, that you are a defensive back against a guy who just caught a pass. Yeah. And you treat the wall like it just caught a pass. Unfortunately, the wall, unlike a receiver, doesn't give. And you can't tackle a wall. And he laughed and he, so he knew exactly what I was saying and went into great detail. And, and this changed, and we talked about this on the show, regular season this year, early April, I believe it was, game four or game three at Kansas City, right? It was that final one where it was a uh, two-game series, I believe, against Casey. And there was a ball that, that ended up being an inside-the-park home run by Mondesi on which Buxton did his thing, where he ran back as fast as, as he could. And, and keep in mind, if he's playing shallow and he gets going, He's going at a speed where basically Buxton and the Twins said he can't stop himself, and he bounced off the fence. The ball bounced away. He went and got it, but he was hurt, and he pinch ran the next day. They were off the day after that, and then they started a three-game series at Philadelphia, if you recall, that weekend, that Friday, in which Buxton didn't play. And Buxton basically said Rocco and everybody else came up to him after that and said, this has to stop. Like, you can't continue to initiate contact because it looks great, but if you can't play, and, and by the way, we aren't talking about a player who stays healthy consistently. He doesn't, and they know that. And so he said the answer was, positioning-wise, now they have him playing deeper, conceding singles if necessary, but he can still come in and dive. It's a lot less likely that you're going to break a rib, I think, diving forward. Yeah, you break a wrist diving forward. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but he conceded, I'm not going to give up singles on purpose, but I see exactly what they're saying. And so the reason why Buxton is now basically going back to fences and bracing himself and sort of sort of feeling for it as opposed to crashing into them is the philosophical viewpoint of how he plays now against batters has changed to where he is starting deeper and he's far more in control of his body when he gets to the fence. So this is what I would be worried about, Rami, here. I, I think if you're you want him on the field. So if if you if if you think you're preventing five crashes into the fence and all five of those would put him in jeopardy of landing on the disabled list or suffering a concussion or knocking him out for a month or, or breaking a bone. I, I'm all for making sure that even if you have to sacrifice a little bit of defense, but just keeping him on the field, I'm all for that. But I do worry that now you're so, so now you're giving up singles and and now you're planting it in his head because you've clearly had to come to Jesus meeting with him. Where's that line of you're altering who he is as a player and altering the guy that played that way in the first place from age probably 12 all the way up to what he is right now, 24, and you're taking a major, major club out of his bag. I mean, part of it's like when I watch Tiger Woods golf, and and, and I do a lot. Do you? As you guys know. I did not yes. know that. That <laughs> didn't hurt. Play the breaking news, Crazy, right? And every, you know, once every... I don't know, six or seven drives, it's four, like, clear out the galleries. He hits one three fairways to the right or to the left. And he has to sort of find his way back in, and and maybe it's a bogey. But the reason why you don't take driver out of your bag if you're Tiger Woods is because when you do hit the ball straight, you have an advantage for the last 20 years over almost every other player on tour. And Byron Buxton's main advantage as a player is he can hunt down fly balls in the gap and near the wall that nobody else can. He makes himself better as a player doing that. He makes pitchers better. He makes everybody better 
manager's better, front office is better by tracking down fly balls the way that he always has. So I don't want I don't want to see him all of a sudden playing this conservative mindset outfield that limits what his upside is as a player. Yeah, I think with some guys you might have to worry about that, but I think with Byron Buxton, <clears throat> excuse me, it's almost to the point where he's going to do everything in his power that you'll let him do to to win a baseball game. So if that and if that means pulling him back a little bit, that's probably the smart way to go because he can be every bit the defensive center fielder that he's been to this point in his career without crashing into walls. There have been great defensive center fielders over the course of the history of Major League Baseball who did not have to crash into walls once every 15 to 20 games. It's a fair point. To make a catch. It it can be done. It can be done with positioning. It can be done with better jumps. It can be done with better angles. It can be done with playing a little bit deeper, which he apparently has done. And if you have to sacrifice, let's say there's four, five baseballs this year that Byron Buxton would have caught in the past but also would have crashed into a wall doing it, that he doesn't do it now, but you're adding 20 at-bats, 30, 40 at-bats, however many he would have cost himself by running into those walls, and more days on the field of making great plays in center field and taking out taking base hits away from, from opposing hitters. I'll take that trade-off every time. My question would be, quite simply, how many balls do we think are going to fall in front of him because of this now? Because he's still going to catch all the balls at the wall. The difference is he's not going as fast, and, and so he can actually control his body as he goes towards the wall. So those catches are he going to be range. maintained. I don't really worry about but, balls Yeah, but I mean, let's say it's, let's say, because he's so fast, let's say it's eight or something, or five. Okay, that's fine. But to not see him, if he never got hurt, if he was one of these, the guy crashes in the walls and gets up every time, then I would say, yeah, you know, I don't get why you would change this, but he does get hurt. And so if we're going to concede that they there's, let's say, five to ten base hits now, I'm fine with that. And yeah, it's a it's a great scoop just to have that conversation with him, too, because it's something that it's like this elephant in the room where every time that dude goes back for a fly ball, you're thinking, oh, God. Oh, yeah, and for a long time I was. And that Kansas City thing drove me crazy. And I don't think he has a mindset where they go, well, look, take it easy when it comes to running into walls. And he goes, oh, take it easy when it comes to running into walls? I'll yeah. just, I'll take it easy on all on everything then. I'll, yeah. just, so, I'll just pull back to 90% effort <laughs> with yeah. my game all So around. what they basically said is, okay, we can't ask you to judge whether you're going 80% or 100%. Like, we can't ask you to make that judgment in the moment. That's so we're gonna, f- yes. We're going to put you closer to the wall yep. so that... You get there before the ball anyways, and you can feel your way around before it lands in your glove. That's exactly what it is. And if you want to sprint straight ahead to grab a bloop single from falling in, sprint all the way to home plate if you want to. There's no wall to to there you know, is, break your bones. It's a little bit farther. Right. <laughs> He's hit the backstop. Oh, that, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> I mean, that would be impressive. It's like the, Do you think it couldn't happen uh, with him? <laughs> like he just couldn't pull up. Yeah, He's behind home plate. <laughs> He's caught in the netting now. What's oh, happening? No. Oh no! Man. What a terrible day for Byron Buxton. His, I mean, his <laughs> offensive numbers are. I'm not going to say perfect because he, his minor league offensive numbers were, were perfect, where he's batting 320 and he's you know he's uh, getting on base at a 400 clip. But he has doubled his walk rate and he has drastically reduced his strikeout rate. And he's on pace to hit 276 with an OPS over 800 and play Gold Glove defense like. I would. I don't care if there's more upside than this. If you ask me this or door number two, I'm taking this every single time. Totally Give fine. me the money and get out of here. I'll take that production. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's. I, if he is this the rest of his Twins career, um, he's essentially Tory Hunter in his in his prime, but a faster version, right. and probably a better defensive and, version of Tory Hunter, and saves runs consistently for for how long? The next. Four years, five years. How many times have you guys at least ever seen him make a diving catch in the gap? And it it doesn't happen very often. I was thinking about this, and you know what? I don't have an answer. He doesn't really do it that often because he, he doesn't he, have to. He catches balls on the fly, and anything that would be within diving range is a can of corn for the other well, outfielders, right? And that's and that's my question about singles that are about to fall in front of him because he doesn't really dive. So he's just so damn fast that he's going to get to he's going to get to baseballs that most guys can't. And and I think that's the twins thought process is okay dude, how can we get you not to crash into the wall and protect you as best as possible, but if you are let's say he's four steps deeper than he he was previously, okay? 
and there's a ball hit in front of him, for the most part, he's still going to get most of those, and he doesn't have to die. He is alarmingly fast. I was right behind the uh, Tigers' dugout on the third baseline for Saturday night's game, and I don't remember who, who got the hit, but Buxton was on first, and the ball went out to the right right uh, right center field corner and got to the wall, and I, I looked where the ball went for just a second, and before I knew it, Byron Buxton is, again, I'm right on the third base line, right behind the Tigers' dugout, flying past my line of sight. Like, before I could even turn my head back from where the ball was to track him on the bases, he was already crossing my line of vision. It's When you see it that up close, it is he is, like I said, alarmingly fast. It is super impressive, the, the speed with which that guy moves. How many baseball players have you seen run like he does because he runs like a, he runs like a deer the like st- his the strides physical style of running yes. or yeah. yes his his strides i can't think of a baseball player now i can think of football players but i can't think of a baseball player who has the stride sequence that he does and he runs he, he runs more like a like an outside like a deep threat wide receiver or something mm-hmm. yeah i don't know Mo- most baseball players i feel like they have like sort of short quick yes they're steps right choppy right yeah, he's uh, trying to think who has three that strides. type of stride. I can't think of any other baseball player who has that kind of stride. Has anyone ever counted how many steps it takes him to go from like second to home on Some, a single? Somebody did last year. It's like seven on, steps from second to home. Somebody, No, somebody did this um, off. I want to say one of the Fox Sports North guys did this last year because of the fact that it's remarkable. It's like Giannis or Durant going from half court in, yeah. in three steps. Yeah. Fire Buxton is the baseball equivalent of that. <laughs> yeah, It's amazing. Actually, speaking of Fox Sports North, maybe our guy Glenn Perkins can do an on-field demo of running from second base to home. I think they ditched those, didn't they? They did, but they should bring them back. I liked them. They were doing them in the uh, in the they Brewers were... telecast, too, on sure. Fox Sports Wisconsin. I liked them. Okay. And especially, I remember thinking, man, if I was a kid watching this, oh, there's so much useful information in that. Get Roy Smalley to run full speed into the fence like Byron Bucks did? Maybe not. You okay, <laughs> lads? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we will catch up with our friend Glenn Perkins when we come back here. Glenn Perkins, TV star as of this last weekend. And uh, we've got questions about what it's like being on TV for the first time as a as a retired player. So we'll get to that. It's Cram Session Monday at 5 o'clock. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North. Luther Brookdale Toyota is here to help us all out of pothole season. Those nasty potholes which can do a number on our tires and suspension and uh, driving out of alignment can lead to bad tire wear and poor handling and all kinds of other issues. So lucky for all of us, Luther Brookdale Toyota has a full-time dedicated tire specialist on staff. So you can bring your vehicle in for a quick check, and they'll make sure your alignment is good and that you're safe on the roads here as we approach road tripping season this late spring and summer. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, well, my friends in that showroom area have some great deals going on right now. In fact, I uh, have about three weeks until I need to get into my lease is up at the end of the month, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, take myself in there and maybe test drive some of these 2019 Highlanders, Tundras, and Sienna. Zero percent interest for 60 months on the Highlander, Tundra, and the Sienna. Zero percent for 60 months. Corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and Score North mobile app, which if you haven't downloaded yet, you should, because you can find wonderful on-demand programming in addition to our live stuff, like the Score North Twin Show, which is now five days a week, and it features Glenn Perkins on Thursday. Glenn Perkins joining us right now, and uh, we'd like we'd love to get your Twins thoughts, and that's great, and they played the Tigers, and they, t- they took two out of four, but... We're mostly interested in your weekend of debuting on Fox Sports North with a fresh new haircut. What were uh, what were your experiences? <laughs> I was going like? to ask if that was a haircut. It looked like a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I was I went on Thursday to get some clothes and that because I have to be on a set and look nice. I'm used to wearing just a hooded sweatshirt, and uh, so I went to get some clothes and I was walking around the mall. I'm like, you know what? I should probably just get a haircut too. So I stopped in. Got a got a nice uh, cut and shave, and uh, tried to look my best for the weekend. Glenn, that's risky. That's risky because a new haircut it might it might take a few days or even weeks for it to grow into itself, or for you to quite figure out the style. That that's a risky move going right the day before your TV appearance for a haircut. Any apprehension about that? I had no apprehension. I completely agree with you, and you wouldn't think that I would have had too much stuff going on or been too busy during the week. <laughs> I don't have a real job, but 
Um, I was going to go like on Monday or Tuesday, and my wife said the, the, the thing. She's like, "Well, why don't you get it on Thursday so you're clean on Friday?" I'm like, "No, you need to like, I need to get it on like Monday or Tuesday so like his hairs can grow back out. Like, you know, if he messes up the edge on my beard or something, it, it, it kind of blends back in. But I, I, one thing led to another, and I didn't get there. So then it was Thursday after we recorded my show, and uh, I went and thought, I, it, you know, I had to do it because my beard. I mean, Derek and, and Phil. And it, I was getting pretty scruffy. The hair was long over my ears. The longer it gets, the grayer it gets. So I had to. I definitely had to cut it. But uh, I, I didn't love doing it the day before because I, I do get nervous about that. But uh, Jonathan over at the Mall of America did a good job. Wow, John, prop, prop to, <laughs> Jonathan, to go, Jonathan. Mall of America. Yeah, where to go, Jonathan? <laughs> Jonathan at Art. Jonathan at Art of Shaving at Mall of America. Oh, beautiful. Not well done. Out of the park. Well done. So, Glenn, what is the experience like and and difficulty there then of uh, of trying to analyze things as a studio guy with uh, a guy I'm sure talking in your ear to tell you what's up next? Just the whole process of doing TV now that you have a weekend under your belt about what you thought more difficult or or easier. You know, I, I was lucky last year to do two games on Facebook, so I got to experience a little bit of that and. They don't do like a pregame or postgame show. We pre-recorded like the pregame for Facebook, and so when I inevitably screwed up the first take, we got to redo it. And like, so I got last year got used to like even in-game that stuff, just being able to talk while somebody's talking to me. So that helped. I think I would have been completely lost on Friday night with people telling me like, "Look at this camera, look at that camera," or like throwing a stat in my ear, like all those things that that. It's distracting, but it's amazing how quick you get used to it. Now, what I found fascinating was like when they do that in, the, in that like the pregame, postgame when they come back from a from a break or go into a break, they have somebody counting down into like Lapanta's ear the whole time. So like as he's like welcome back to Twins Live, the Twins lost five to three to the Tigers. He's got somebody like going ten, nine, eight in his ear, and I don't think I could do that. They were pretty good, and they made it easy for me to kind of just free flow a little bit. But as the weekend went on, I, I got more comfortable, and I think it went. I think it went pretty well. Um, and you, you get used to it, like in a weird way that you 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 have to focus on what you're talking about and and know. And, and I think the best thing that had happened for me was when they said, "Act as if you're having a conversation with the the studio host and the camera and yourself." It's a three person conversation, okay. and when you put it in that context, it helped me a lot to not really think about like looking at a camera, but like as if I was talking to like the person running the camera. And so it it, it kind of everything kind of came together. The first night was uh, I was definitely nervous. I was definitely jittery, but. Um, you know, I was able to. Uh, I think. I think get my way through it. I'm mostly uh, Glenn Perkins, uh, new TV star. Glenn Perkins is joining us here. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. I'm. Did you Did you guys see the the Tom Thibodeau like weird smiles circulating around oh, yeah, a couple yeah. months ago? Yeah. I was just happy for Glenn that he didn't have like a weird forced <laughs> Tom Thibodeau smile moment on TV. Where oh my god, like, is, that, is that his smile? What is happening? That now? happens, Phil. Okay, yeah. that <laughs> happens to people. So, I was I was telling my wife that last night. Um, some clown on Twitter like wrote like you know you can you stop looking around like your head's a butter turner and I'm like I didn't even reply to him but I'm like, like it's super awkward because you're sitting like two feet away from this guy but you can't look at him like you have to just look at the camera it's like do you smile do you like not nod or whatever so like I kind of like you know I glance over a little bit and then you go back to the camera and then as I'm sitting there and like I can't hear him talking in person he's two feet away from me I can't hear him talking to me it's all through the earpiece. And so it's, it's super weird. Like you feel like you could, you might, might as well have been in Florida or at home or whatever talking to him, even though he's sitting two feet away from me. So like there is really nowhere to look, but I was conscious of like, don't look like an idiot. Like don't have this. And I don't smile that much anyways. And they, they kind of wrote me a little bit about that. Like, you know, we'll, we'll know you're having fun when you actually start smiling, but um, it's, it's an awkward situation because you're sitting there and it's like, you're just staring at a camera and like, you don't know how long he's going to talk. And at what point is he going to start asking me a question that I'm going to respond to and all those things. So it's a lot. And then you have fans yelling and the studio lights are bright. Like there's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah, that, it's, that <laughs> it, it takes me getting used to. Um, but uh, again, I think as it, as it went on, you, I, I definitely got more comfortable in that setting, but I, I, I thought about that actually, the, the Thibodeau, where he, 
kind of just had like that weird grin the whole time. And I'm yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta be moving a little bit to like, so you don't look like you're just like a mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are, who are, I know you and I on, on the Scorner Twin Show, we've talked about how David Ross is a guy that's doing it really well, but who, who is another player or two in baseball or even in other sports that you look at and say, all right, with all the stuff that's coming in your ear and, and like all the stuff that goes on in TV, that player does a really good job. Yeah, well, I mean, and we talked on the show about Justin Morneau, and uh, I I got a chance on Saturday to go up in the booth with them, and I th- I told him when I saw him on Friday night that I thought the series that he did in Toronto, I mean, I've watched all the games this year and watched him do his work, and I, I thought he's really morphed into, like, an excellent, excellent broadcaster in that Toronto series. Um, and so I, I said that to him on Friday night, and then I think I, it was awesome going up in the booth with him and being able to kind of have a back and forth um, with a pitcher hitter combination type of thing, and and I, I really think that he's coming into his own at that. And it, and like I said before, it, it's fascinating to me because he was never a vocal guy, and uh, so for him to talk and for him to kind of grow into that role, I think he's he's doing a really good job. Glenn, you you mentioned you don't smile much, and I I have a problem. I know Judd has this problem too, where we just can't smile on command. Like if you tell me to smile for a picture, I either look like I'm having a stroke, or <laughs> people say smile with your eyes, and then I look like an axe murderer who's definitely coming after you. <laughs> do you do you have that problem as well? Where it's just I have I think my smile is okay when it's just natural and I'm laughing or in a situation where I'm happy, but a forced yeah. smile is just impossible for me to pull off. I can't do it. I, I feel like I'm like like giving a triple chin instead of a double chin. <laughs> like my you know, my, like I have a lazy red eye, so like I feel like if I force a smile like my right eye is gonna completely close instead of being partially closed. Um <laughs> And, and yeah, like, you know, it's like you show, like, your all your teeth or, like, open your mouth or, like, am I, is it going to look like I just, like, look like a chipmunk with my top teeth showing? <laughs> yeah, see? I'm not the only one. Can we? Insecure smile. Can we start a club? It legit stresses me out. And if you look at, like, my headshots, yes. like, the, 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 the spring training headshots from, like, the last seven years of my career, and, and granted, that's at, like, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm pissed that I'm there at 5.30 in the morning, but... <laughs> I, I don't. I never smiled. Like I kind of give just like a little bit of a half. And then you got these guys that don't know you taking a picture. Like, can you smile for them? Like, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Judd is so I'm happy not right have now. Have like the cheesy smiling headshot thing, and so it's always kind of like a half cracked uh, deal. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely conscious and self conscious of that because you just. You end up, you, you can end up looking like a, like a huge idiot if you do it wrong. I knew it. Can we start a club? I mean, we got three people. Perk is the spokes guy, okay? But can we start a club? Because I thought for a long time, and Phil mercilessly has mocked me for what four years now. You don't smile. Five, five years. Five years. We should start a support Perk, group. Perk, can we start a Twitter support group here? If you don't want to smile, you don't have to because you have company. We well yeah we need to I, I remember the old billboards of when Mackie was all around town uh, back when he was cool uh, <laughs> that, that he always had the smile and I was like man like and it looked normal like I don't know like I don't know how to do that like they have to tell you like a funny joke or something I guess and like Lapana was good about that like especially after they gave me were started giving me crap about not smiling during the thing like he'd tell a joke or make some comment like uh, in between like during a commercial break in between. Um, you know, sets or whatever that to like try to get me to like smile or whatever, but it's still it's just like, yeah, I'll smile in that, but I, yeah, we need we need to uh, we need to start one, Judd. I think that's a good idea. Hey, Perk, Lapanta joins our club because he does what I do. He doesn't smile; he smirks. He does have a smirk. He's smart, but he does. So he's not because I'm accused of. Oh, you're smirking. I'm smirking because I can't smile. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a jackass. Well, yeah, that's why. <laughs> We talked about before the show not swearing on the on the show. So he has that he has that that uh, sh eating grin. Yes, um, yes. I'd like to say the whole thing, but you guys told me I can't. So um, <laughs> he's got that, which is it's also awesome. Like I wish I had that one too. Like this this snide kind of just like a fu smile. So well, we can uh, you know we can set up some. Maybe a photo shoot and uh, put you on some new ballsy billboards. <laughs> ballsy. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Glenn Perkins, uh, now that his TV career is off and running, uh, you can check that out on Fox Sports North. And also find him on the Score North Twin Show every single Thursday 
with his fresh new haircut and properly trimmed beard. So, all right, we know you're on the well, golf it's course. Be so. overgrown on Thursday, but I, I don't have to be on campus. So. All right, that's good. All right, see you, Perk. Enjoy. See bye. You, Thanks, Glenn. All right, Doug. and you can you can hear more of Glenn every Thursday on the Scorn of Twin Show too. He's just he's been awesome. But yeah, he he looked like a homeless person on Thursday morning last week, and then I saw him on TV on Friday night, and I was like. Well, that was quick. I really thought the smiling problem was something that was unique to me. And then I came up here and I met Judd and I found out he has the same smiling problem. And now Glenn Perkins, we find out, has the same smiling problem. It's, which, which Phil has mocked for five years now. It's a now. thing. I didn't know it was such a thing. No, this is a real thing. Yeah. And you shouldn't you shouldn't mock us for it. It's, I feel bad. I'm strength sorry. in numbers too, right, Robbie? Right. Strength exactly. in numbers. We should start a support group for people who do ridicule us like Phil Mackey. And Perk can be our spokesman. Right. Actually, you know what? If you have a smiling problem... We'd love to hear from you. 651-646-8255. Tell us about your angst. Tell us about the lowest moment you ever had when trying to force a smile. Was it your wedding day? Was it your wedding day? Was it was it high school you senior know, senior photos? You know, that's a good point. Now it was it was Do you remember 90, your wedding, what your wedding day 90, photos look like? Ninety three, it was April twenty fourth. So it's a long, long time ago now. But I actually could smile back then. Well, you were happy. No, but this isn't about me being happy or not happy. This is about this is about trying to smile on cue. To which now no, at the age I'm, of forty nine, I'm just terrible. What I'm saying is, I don't think it was on cue. I think you oh, were. I was. Twi- gen- I think you were genuinely happy. Oh, I was twenty three. I was scared. You were a young man. You were you were dedicating the rest of your life to. Okay. To, to so far, you're going down a path of me being beautiful very young woman. Well, she's great, but I was frightened. Okay. You were dedicating the rest of your life to. Are you saying, are you like like that wrestler Shawn Michaels from the 90s? You lost your smile along the way? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I he, don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. that's... Yeah, but Shawn Michaels yes. went through some painkiller and depression issues and some knee stuff, and he went on WWE TV and gave up the title and said, I have to give the title up because I've lost my smile. Has beer cost me my smile? Are we going to start calling Judd the heartbreak kid? <laughs> <laughs> He's just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Okay, that's not going to apply to me. He's not your boy, toy. You've lost me now. I mean, that's not me. I hope four I people know what, what, music what song that is. I forgot how bad his entrance music was. That was a terrible song. Who sang the song? Shawn Michaels. Oh, he really sang his, He sang his own did entrance he really? music. Yeah. Oh, my wow. gosh. Yep. Okay. okay. Uh, gentlemen, I have power rankings here Ooh. from theathletic.com slash MLB. They call their power rankings the 30. It's a very clever way to right. frame it up. The 30. The Astros soar into first place, and the Twins continue their impressive ascent. This is Jonah Carey, who does the the, the power rankings, and they actually they st- they start with thirty, and it's just the Marlins every week, and then they go down from there. There's not even a write up; it's just the Marlins are thirty, and then everybody else gets an actual write up. Jonah Carey should thank the Marlins for making that part of his job real easy. Yep. Like I don't have to write anything about him; I don't really have to think about it. I just put thirty Marlins and move on with my day. It's fully templated, yes. But he has the Minnesota Twins. Third on his power rankings list with a plus 51 run difference. Up from six last week. Yep. I think that's the biggest jump in this week's power rankings. If and it's, I'm not the, it's the longest write up, too. I'm just going to give you a couple, some sentences here. Never in franchise history have the Twins bashed this many home runs or posted a slugging percentage this high at this point in a season. Yet for all of Minnesota's offensive excellence, they wouldn't be where they are without the stellar work of two afterthought starting pitchers, Martin Perez. And Jake Odorizzi, and he goes into how bad Perez was with Texas and how Odorizzi was uh, mostly just a guy who could only get through the lineup twice, and both guys have been pitching deep into games, and he ends the blurb with happy times in the Twin Cities. Okay, I am all aboard the Twins bandwagon. Third is really aggressive in the power rankings and probably more of a testament to like Yankees injuries and Red Sox slow start. He's got the Dodgers number two and the Astros number one. But that's a glimpse. Who's behind the a Twins? Smart baseball writer. Who's right behind the Twins? Cubs at four. Okay. Yeah, Tampa Bay Rays at five. Okay. Yankees six. Philly seven. Brewers eight. Coming to town here in a couple weeks. And then uh, Red Sox nine. Diamondbacks ten. Red Sox are coming too. Ooh, they're playing good baseball. And I was wrong when I said the the uh, Twins made the biggest jump. The Red Sox went from sixteen to nine. They jumped seven spots in the power rankings. But the thing about power rankings, at least how I look at them, it's not. This isn't Jonah Carey saying that the Twins are the third best team in baseball, and he expects that to carry out throughout the rest of the season. Power rankings are the level that these teams are playing at right now. Who's who's playing the best baseball right now, which is the Houston Astros, and then down the road. And I don't think it's crazy to say 
with the Twins, despite splitting a series with the Tigers over the weekend, with the best record, the best win percentage in all of baseball, are playing at a top three level right now. I mean, the the the, the record indicates that they are very much so playing at a top three level right now. And the other thing about power rankings is they are they're written and designed to do just what we're doing here today, which is to debate them and whether or not they're in the right spot. I remember last year when I was I was down in Milwaukee and the power rankings at this time of the season, each and every one of them had the Cubs ahead of the Brewers, despite the Brewers being in first place and having a better record. And Twins and Brewers fans would complain endlessly, how are we behind them in the power rankings if we have a better record? Well, here's the thing. If the power rankings were just going to be the standings, well, then those would be the standings. Like, there's no point in making power rankings if you're just going to list the team with the most wins at the top. Those are just called standings. This is a little bit more in-depth look at it, at who's playing at the highest level at the moment. And I don't think it's crazy that to put the Twins at number three. Some of the biggest fights Judd and I used to have were for our NFL weekly pecking order power rankings. We should do that again and, and I, fight. And I would have, like, the Seattle Seahawks would have a worse record than these other teams. But I just thought with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, that, yeah, the Seahawks are still one of the five best teams in football, even though they're four and three and not six and one. Yeah. And we would argue about, yeah, but their record is four and three. Right. But I think if they played this team that's six and one, they would win because they're the Seahawks and they're Russell Wilson. God. Every week. Every I mean, week. Just, Seattle is up there every single bleeping week. If you just want to see the team with the best record on the top, just open to the standings page in the paper. Why are you wasting your time with power rankings if you want them to be the standings? Now, so did, did these come out today? Yes, this morning. Because I feel like right now today, if, if I was to do this exercise, I'd put the Twins like fifth or sixth. But, but a train wreck weekend for them yep. is they split four games with the Tigers, and one of those days was a doubleheader, and it's hard to win two games in one day. Right. And so if if a train wreck weekend for them in the first six weeks of the season is, eh, you split a division series and one of the games is a doubleheader, I can live with that. And split, Barrios didn't split even pitch. Double, split doubleheader, too, which was just nonsense. Can we please stop those? I mean, we could stop doubleheaders altogether. If we if we need to play, if if we, uh, if we need to play no, no, I'm fine with them. But if we need to do them, let's wait 25 minutes between games and then throw the next pitch. Okay, I, the split the splitty was only it's only good if you have sellout crowds. In which case, I get the, the need for them. But this team doesn't sell out now, so let's just play straight doubleheaders. It's not that hard. I think they're. I mean, Rocco himself. Nap time Rocco too. himself said basically said. If it, this was not a business decision, our preference would be to play a straight one instead of instead of having to wait until seven o'clock again. You know what would really be Rocco's preference? What's that? To never have to play doubleheaders. Oh no, no! Rocco it. loves outdoor baseball. Rocco loves Rocco. Thinks yeah, that Rocco outdoor baseball is Rocco great. wouldn't want his Rocco players to be, a, be able to show up every day Ro- and know when they're. You know what Rocco play does not like? Play. Airport hangers, yeah. and that's what. Dome stadiums and stadiums with roofs are their airport hangers. You can land planes in them. You can store planes. But what you don't do is you don't play baseball. Did he tell you this? Because I would imagine. I feel like I have a really not, good sense of Rocco. I'm not just saying this. I would bet that if you asked all 30 major league managers, all 30 would rather be able to know when they're going to play, that they're going to play in good conditions, and that their players could go about their I daily would, routine without worrying about I it. I feel like in channeling my inner Rocco, all that 30 he managers, loves ballparks. Rocco and the other 29 managers would all prefer you hashtag put a roof on it. Well, then they don't like baseball. No, they like baseball. Played on time and in good conditions as scheduled. In That's stadiums like. with with roofs that go... Yeah, Rocco Baldelli, by the way, the guy who played like a decade inside the trop, yeah. is probably not the most pro roof well, yeah. guy. Yeah, and this is what you people do. Yeah, I dropped to you people. This is what yeah, you, you people... Yeah, you just said you people. My wife gets so upset. This is what you people do. Back in the day when, when I say you people. the roof argument, you want to bring up like the worst roofs in the history. Like okay. The, o- the no, only good retractable one, Seattle. Safeco Field's and nice. And Houston. Uh, you know what? Houston is such what? a Houston is such a bad town that nothing is good. Guess what? Those are the two. Those <laughs> are the two. Houston's an armpit, an absolute town. armpit. Those of are the town. two newest examples of retractable roofs. That's who we should be. You know what's not good? Milwaukee. When they close that sucker on a steamy night and that and and you can't operate because you're so miserable and you go yeah. home because you hate it. And everyone's wearing swassy brown cargo shorts drinking, and Ryan Braun jerseys and flip flops. Drinking like, Miller Lights. Cargo shorts. Drinking Miller Lights. Because that's the beer. Smell like cheese. <laughs> I mean, I love cheese and cargo shorts and beers. So I don't. I don't. Do you like Miller Lite? Because <laughs> uh, I got some. I got. If you do, I've got some options for you that are better than Miller Lite. 
Unless they want to sponsor us, in which case, hey, Mackie Jedrani <laughs> brought to you by Zolgad's favorite beer, Miller Lite. Hey, Kyle Rudolph spoke about the awkwardness that's happening between him and the Vikings. We'll talk about that. I can't focus on that a whole lot. You know, I'm, I'm at voluntary workouts every day like I've always been. Um, you know, I'm not going to change my approach to um, this football team and what this organization means to me. Um, you know, my focus each and every day is just getting better as a player. Um, and when I'm better as a player, that'll help this team be better. That'll help this offense be better. Um, it's, it's very evident that if we want to get to where we want to be, um, we have to get better on the offensive side of the football. So um, as a leader of this offense, uh, as a guy that's been around here for a long time, um, you know, that's me getting better in, in my game individually. So uh, that's my focus right now. And uh, until I hear otherwise, that's all I can worry about. That was Calvin Rudolph, Vikings tight end at Mike Zimmer's charity golf outing today. This is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app, which is probably the best and easiest way for you to consume all your favorite Score North content. It's available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Go ahead and download that. Subscribe to all your favorite podcasts. Give us your five-star ratings. And the longer you listen live, the more points you earn to uh, win cool rewards from us Later on, among other things that you heard Kyle Rudolph say there, he said he still would like to finish his career in Minnesota, but upon reports last week that talks have sort of hit a snag when the Vikings approached him and his reps about restructuring, he understands that it's a business, and if changes in the cards, then changes in the cards. So how would you guys feel if you put yourself in Kyle Rudolph's shoes? And uh, so, I, I, I'm, Judd, you're going to be Kyle Rudolph, and I will be Rick Spielman slash Rob Brzezinski. Just happy okay? to be here. Yeah, thanks. So, listen, this is a little bit of a tough spot we're in here. We've we've spent a lot of money to maintain the roster as it is. Rick, what are you trying to tell me? As guys get older and more experienced, they command more money. So, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, we wanted to keep the band together. We paid Kirk Cousins. Oh, your defensive band. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. We've only got like 25 cents to pay our entire draft class. <laughs> yep. We have to free up some money. Yep, yep, yep. Or we can't sign our draft class. In order for this team to be as good as it possibly can be, someone has to either be cut from the roster or take a pay cut to maintain the roster as is. I hear you. That's no. why we're here to talk to you. Okay, great. We'd love to pay you millions of dollars still. Just not $7.5 million this year. Mm-hmm. Will you work with us? Um, okay, I've got some questions here written down because <clears throat> I came prepared. Um, let's see, I need to have a... Kyle, you're writing the questions I, down now. I need I to have a new, to to a new hoodie made that says, I still got lots of game left. Oh, my second question, is Kirk Cousins my quarterback in 2019 if I come back for this new price? Of course he is. He's guaranteed $30 okay. million. Dollars. I don't want this out it's public. A ridiculous question, Kyle. I don't want Did this out... Did you just write that down now? <laughs> I don't want this out publicly. I mean, I'm a very smart guy. Cerebral. I went to your favorite school, Phil. I mean, Rick. Um, if you don't want this out publicly, then uh, but I prefer, you're an unlucky man. It's streaming on the Score North mobile app, available I'd, in the Google Play Store. I'd prefer this is kept quiet. <clears throat> but if uh, Kirk Cousins is my quarterback, I'm going to tell you this right now. I love this town. I do work at the Children's Hospital. I'm seen as a hero here. I loved being a, a Viking. And I tell you what, 2017 with Case as my quarterback was fantastic. But privately, I have as much interest in playing with Cousins in 2019 as I do in going to the dentist right now. So, no, I'm not going to take your pay cut. And, in fact, I'm going to to make it sound like you guys are broke when I sign a three-year contract with the Patriots. But the reality is you're giving me the opportunity to escape a quarterback that I don't like that much and I didn't enjoy playing with. And, by the way, it didn't work, and you gave him a ton of cash, and I don't quite know why. Uh, but no, I will not take your restructure. I will not take your contract. And I'm going to have a loft in downtown Boston. Hmm. I'm going to have a, a car service that takes me to Foxborough for practice. Hmm. And I'm going to be playing with a guy who wears number 12. Hmm. And I might even adopt the TB12 method, but I'm out of here. Let me try a different Kyle Rudolph. Rami, you're now Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> if they came... T- <laughs> If they came to you, if I came to you as mm-hmm. Rick Spielman, Rob Brzezinski, yeah. and laid out that stuff entire out. scenario, listen, I know it's weird. I'm asking you to take less money, but this is the spot we're in as a franchise. Right. We don't have any money. Cool. Uh, I mean, what? we have money. We're the Wilfs. Uh-huh. We're loaded, quite frankly. <laughs> right. In fact, we banked about $300 million off this franchise in the last two or three years. 
But the salary cap that you idiots negotiated as players is preventing us from paying you specifically more money. Yeah, here's the thing, Rick. I don't have $3 billion. So uh, what's in it for me to restructure my contract? What kind of guarantees are you offering me down the road? Because it looks to me like if you, if you cut me right now, I'm I'm a pretty highly valued tight end on the market. And I think I could probably cash in at least what you're paying me and probably more for a few years to come. If you trade me, that probably comes with a contract extension. So, again, more guaranteed money is in my future. Or you guys do nothing with me, and I'll hit free agency next year as the top tight end on the market. And once again, that could be a very lucrative scenario for me. So what's in it for me, Rick, to give you some cap relief and restructure my contract? Why do you guys think this has been so hard for them? He's not 40. like He's, he's not even 30 yet. He's 29 years old. Because both sides have absolutely good reasons to play hardball right now. The Vikings need to save money somewhere in order to pay their draft picks and to give themselves some themselves some cap relief and Kyle Rudolph is probably the best candidate to do that with and Kyle Rudolph as I just laid out, he also he has he really has the leverage and the hand in these negotiations because whatever we think of Kyle Rudolph around here and and the drop off in his production the last couple of years he probably falls in the top 10 of tight ends. And beyond that, whether it's this offseason or next offseason, when he hits the market and starts negotiating with the Vikings or other teams about some sort of contract, he'll be the top tight end on the free agent market. And when you're the top tight end or top player at your position on the market, you can command like top five money at that position. Kyle Rudolph has nothing to gain by extending or restructuring right now unless it's a hefty guarantee next year and beyond. And he can't lose here. Like like all he has to do is sit there and and ultimately if people are going to take sides here, it's going to be the Vikings screwed him, which might not be right. I I I think this is a no fault. The Cousins contract is the main thing at fault here. But I think that for Kyle, he can simply sit back and say, Okay, cut me. Now, I think the one interesting thing that we're probably not discussing enough and Collar has broached on his show before is the fact that I think if he loved his QB, it might be different, but he doesn't. I think from the Viking standpoint, what's difficult for them is, is in their eyes, the restructure of Kyle's contract is very simple. And, and the Vikings have been very proactive to players that they like in going to sign him, which they did with Kyle as well. And ordinarily, I think the trade-off for being that team is the good soldier guy comes back and is like, of course I'll take your restructure. And Kyle's like, uh-uh, no. And so I think the Vikings are having some problems accepting that. But the more I think about this, if you're in his shoes, you just sit back and, and it just plays out. And what, however it ultimately plays out, guess what? You win. Yeah, you're going to you, win. If you trade me, the next team that trades for me is probably going to offer me a contract. Sure. If you release me, I go into the market and can probably ask for pretty decent contract given what's out there in free agency right now and the value of the tight end position. And if I play out this last year of my contract, whether it's here in Minnesota or wherever I get traded, I'll hit the market next year as the top free agent tight end on the market and cash in then. Like Judd said, he can literally sit back let the scenario play out itself, and no matter which road you go down, he does pretty well for himself. The other challenging thing, if you're on the Viking side of this, so if I'm Kyle Rudolph and I'm looking at the list of highest-paid tight ends in the NFL right now and how much money they make on a per-year basis, and the list has guys like Jimmy Graham making $3 million more than me or Jordan Reed making $2 million more than me or Trey Burton younger but making a million or two million dollars more than me and all of those guys are putting up lower numbers and lesser numbers and productivity than me I'm thinking to myself all right like I'll definitely consider a discussion about taking a pay cut but if this pay cut for this year involves me taking so he so it's seven and a half million for this year right let's say it's let's say it's a it's it's 12 million in guarantees over the next two years to get that number down more to like five and a half or six or whatever it is, right? And now I become the 12th instead of the ninth. Like now I'm, I'm still looking at that list thinking, wait a second, Jimmy Graham is a fossil. Jimmy Graham is 
yeah. is the crypt keeper at this point. If I'm him, there's no way I'm going down the rankings of top paid tight ends. And the other thing, too, because people are people, so I don't blame him one bit, is if you're just a person, an employee, observing this, what have the Vikings done? Anthony Barr, I want to come back. Okay, great. Griffin, we'll restructure you, but we'll make sure. So basically what, what, they're, what they're saying is they sat there the entire time and said, there's the patsy. There's the pay. He'll take the pay cut. He'll do what, what we want. Everybody else, including guys on defense, got taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now the Vikings will say, but Barr took less to come back. But that's not how players see this. If you're Kyle, to me, as an employee, there has to be a frustration of, so you basically said that I'm the weak link and I'll cave. What do you guys think is the most likely way that they wind up eventually freeing up money? Because this isn't just a discussion that, Oh, like they're trying to start. No, like they're going to free up money in the they next couple weeks. Like they're going to free up money. I think he's gone. I think Kyle's gone. Do yeah. you think they trade or cut? I think they, we're, there's, they, they can't just cut him. Yeah, they can. I think yeah, we're, that's like, I think they might, but I think they're, I think they're trying. I think the problem, the problem now and why this drags on is everybody and their brother talking to, to them about a potential trade is like, why should I give you a fifth round pick right. when, when you're going to have to cut him to make yeah. sure that you get him? That would be the really well. No, and and that's a good comeback. But I think that that's where my guess is, is that this is the this is beyond the point of return of him coming back here with a restructured contract. And so the Vikings' options are: you keep him at his current price, which is a lot; you trade him, or you cut him. But I think that's where we're at. And I think the hang up now is telling the Patriots, "Give us the sixth round pick, so you get and the one place so you get him." You're like right. like I said, both sides, Rudolph and and the Vikings have very good reason to play hardball with each other right now. The Vikings have to free up money, and he's the one way they can. And he's going to catch in somehow, some way, no matter how this thing plays out. So I don't blame either side for, for playing hardball with the other, but if I'm if I'm the Vikings, I mean, what, what, at what, what, what can I possibly do at this point to free up money other than trade or release yeah. Kyle Rudolph, and if I'm a team out there, why am I giving up something for Kyle Rudolph when I know I can probably just go out and sign him when he hits the free agent mark? And the other hard thing to justify is it, you, you felt strongly enough about your defense and the current pieces to bring back Everson Griffin and Anthony Barr, but if part of that agreement was you had to sacrifice Kyle Rudolph and essentially put full stock into, at the time, a draft pick that turned into a tight end, but you didn't even know you had Irv Smith at the time, I don't I don't think anyone would have signed up for... You bring in Griffin, you bring in Barr again, get the band back together. Oh, but you just have to flat out lose Kyle Rudolph this is, at age 29. This is why it makes no sense that Griffin is on this team right now. I've been saying that. I don't get that one. It doesn't, make sense, the, rush. It doesn't make sense at the expense of Rudolph for nothing. Like, if you have to cut Kyle Rudolph to, to, to make that move, it's it's a disaster. You, you can re- Griffin can be, and I understand if, if he comes back and, and he's good, that he's effective, but you can replace him. You're taking a chance with Kyle that you are going to be in a pickle there and a real problem. And if it ends up being a trade, to me, that would be the only thing that I'd take issue with the Vikings is waiting until now to trade Kyle Rudolph because, as Judd and I have been talking about for weeks, you're in a window right now. You're going into year two of a three-year window where all your assets should be going into making Kirk Cousins better and getting this team in the discussion of, of playing in and winning a Super Bowl. And... If it's draft picks you get in return for Kyle Rudolph, those won't be until next year. And now you you wasted an opportunity. You squandered an opportunity to get assets in the door now going into year two of this three-year window to win a Super Bowl rather than going into year three of the three-year window to win a Super Bowl. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. Cram session with corrupt Judge Jonathan when we come back.